egotistical, so unpredictable, here on the SNL Network. Yes, that is right. We are live here on the Saturday Night Network, not to talk about SNL, but for one last time to talk about Bupkiss, the new Pete Davidson series on Peacock available now and it has been quite a journey to get through this show including first a great interview with our friend Dave Cyrus who helped produce and write many episodes before the show and is also a great friend of Pete and then every couple of days we have been going through this show starting with episodes one and two back with Sammy K then the three of us Sammy Amanda and I got together for three and four on Monday night we were live with Victoria and Kirsten Sammy and I to talk about five and six and tonight the original Bupkis crew is back together to wrap things up so first up let me bring in Sammy K Sammy Sad to close this journey with you, but so happy to have you back on the show. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to be here. You know, with eight episodes, we were able to discuss and dissect, and we're about to discuss you know these last two episodes together. Uh, and you know, this might be the the end of season one, but there could be a season two. So you know, there's always something to look forward to. I, you know, I hope the show comes back for another season, but it's been a lot of fun breaking this down, and I'm excited to break down these last two episodes with the two of you. Yeah, absolutely. And joining us as well is the lovely Amanda Barkin. So Amanda, how are you doing? I am good. I just got home from work and sat down at my desk from my work desk, one desk to another. So happy to be back at a desk. Um, I can't, has it been a week? It's only been a week that we've been covering it. uh, Besides our Dave interview, it's crazy. It's been a very Pete Davidson filled week. So excited to close the book on that with you guys. Yes, a lot of Pete here this past week. So happy to close the book on that. And these are two very interesting episodes of Bucus. I would say uh, definitely a different tone here. Um, you know, I think we should probably just like talk about our overall thoughts on the series because that's probably what people want to hear us uh, talk about the most. And then we can go through the the details of these two episodes. I'll start off by saying. Um, I learned a lot about Pete Davidson throughout these eight episodes of the show, and I think that they did a lot of really great things here. I'd actually say I really enjoyed Bupkiss, and I said, I think in our last podcast, this is a good show. I will also say I have no direct experience, thankfully, um, blessed to have no direct experience with somebody who has dealt with addiction in the way that Pete Davidson has. So I don't have to have had, I don't, I don't have those, uh, you know, moments of, you know, sending somebody off to rehab or seeing somebody deal with these things. So I'll say it with that, you know, my thoughts with that caveat. But I guess watching these last two episodes of the show was difficult because we've been discussing the entire week how you never know what you're going to get from each episode of the show. And that really works when you nail everything. And what I felt about these last two episodes of the show is it went so much in a direction of like darkness and sadness of last two episodes, which which Pete may have wanted to do, and I respect that, but it was so different than what I had seen previously that I felt like it was hard for me to watch it and now talk about it. So I'm hoping that I could sort of use this podcast as a way to like vent about our feelings together to sort of, because I, I do like the show, but I'm having a lot of trouble with these last two episodes. So Sammy, I'd love to get your thoughts because in the pre-show, you said you were a little bit higher on it. So tell me why. Yeah, I guess for me, when I was going into the show, 
There have been so many examples of a comedian taking their brand and taking their comedic persona and playing themselves on TV. Obviously, you know, some people have um, described the show like Larry David and Curb Your Enthusiasm after watching all eight episodes. Uh, I don't think I uh, see that, you know, and Dave Cyrus, you know, said that uh, himself, that that is not something they kind of had in the back of their mind when they were, you know, developing the show. Uh, to me, I, I haven't seen every episode of this series, but definitely reminded me a lot more of Louie, something where, you know, the show was able to take a, a darker tone uh, for certain episodes and, and have, you know, elements of surrealism throughout. And, you know, I, I definitely, when it comes to these kind of shows, navigate towards the sort of creative risks that they can take. And even if not every episode kind of knocks it out of the park, I, I am looking for, you know, not the typical sitcom. And I think when we spoke on the last episode of this podcast, talking about how the, the episode of the amusement park, for example, to me was maybe my least favorite episode of the show because it felt the most kind of, you know, stereotypical sitcom um, to me, which I think when you look at that episode in relationship to the rest of the show, that is not what they were kind of going for. I think they really wanted you to get to know Pete better, which I think we certainly have. And for somebody who's dealt with a lot of struggles with things like addiction and fame, those are topics that are kind of hard to digest and hard to make funny. And I think uh, in these last two episodes, I don't think like 100% they were, were maybe able to balance that tone. I think for me, episode seven was a lot more successful than episode eight in that regard. But and and I think it's like not not necessarily a show for everyone. I think it's you know if you're coming into the show as somebody who is a fan of SNL and liked what Pete Davidson did on the on the show in sketches, you know, and you know maybe you go into this and this isn't exactly what you were expecting from Pete Davidson Curb. It's absolutely not that. It is you know getting a, to take a look at uh, this person who has been in, in the spotlight. And that we we knew on SNL, take get you know a, a closer look at them and see you know kind kind of what 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 it's like to to kind of walk a mile in his shoes. I guess I, I don't know, but I I found even in the darker moments of the show um, a lot of comedy, and then in some of the darker moments of the show, not a lot of comedy, but I I found that to be kind of the point. So I don't know. So I'm yeah. gonna see what you guys kind of felt. Yeah, I, I want to go to Amanda for her thoughts, but I'll just say to preface, uh, you know, the little bit of a rebuttal, which is just like episode five for me, I actually think was my favorite episode. And I think, you, you know, Sammy, you said it was your least favorite. And it's just not that I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm so innocent. And I need to like, just watch <laughs> something that's funny and sitcom me. But I just felt yeah. like I, I would, I would have been really satisfied with the show if it had the sitcom vibes with a lot of heart. And I think that like episode two, does that even though it's like a much darker tone um and then episode five does that really well i'd say one and four are probably more sitcom in general that they, they, they lean in that direction completely but i think like two and five probably hit the right marks there um i just felt like seven and eight lacked the like lacked the funny in a way that i was really looking for and it just stopped being fun and i think that was the point because i think they're trying to show that pete's life isn't so fun all the time so 
and again, I told, I respect the art. I just think as the viewer who's disconnected from the world, it was difficult for me. So Amanda, let me get your thoughts after hearing what Sammy and I had to say. Now my thoughts are, are quite jumbled after hearing what you and Sammy had to say. Sorry. <laughs> but I mean, I should preface everything I'm going to say that I'm a huge Pete fan. I feel like of the three of us, I came into this the most specifically a Pete fan. I've always been Pete's number one fan. I don't think I learned a lot about him through the series. That might be because I knew too much about him already. Um, although I think just from update and you know various interviews he's done and his like two or three stand-up specials that are available, I understand everything they were trying to do. I respect it. I will also say I have had a lot of friends who have gone to rehab and have dealt with addiction and tragedy and all kinds of things. I still found it to be fairly one note in its you know, attempt to or to tackle that kind of stuff. I found it very predictable and lacking the edge that I wanted to see from episodes covering this kind of material. Does that make any sense? Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, there were aspects that I found funny and things that I found endearing. I just, I'm very confused about what the show was trying to say. And that's not to say that it has to be saying something or that there was one message or that there's some kind of takeaway from, or an arc or anything like that. I'm just, I think that my biggest issue with the show overall is that it was so it didn't know what to do with itself at points. And there are points, you know, where I feel like the plot is lacking and it's like, just let's have John Mulaney talk about his, uh, you know, struggle with addiction in a very predictable way that we've already heard him talk about on, you know, if you've seen his special or even, you know, his monologue last year, which is just a, a part of his special. It, I wanted to see it push the boundaries a little bit more because I think that's what it was trying to do. And I'm, happy for that. I just thought it was kind of a cookie cutter portrayal of what it was trying to portray. Yeah. And I want to say like all my comments about the show itself, like the, it's really about the show. It's not about Pete. Cause I think Pete was fantastic in all of this. Like, I, I don't know how you can watch a show and walk away and not feel like Pete did a good job with the material. Like he was a very solid actor throughout. I felt like if you like, uh, you know, you like this certain comedic senses that Pete brought to SNL, I think you found that for sure here. So I, I even see our friend Nick in the chat says he has more respect for Pete as an actor. I do too. I felt like Pete was really strong in the show. And I do feel like there was some really solid writing, some jokes that I never thought of. It's just like, it's very crazy to me now after watching the show that somebody comes to me and says, hey, I want to watch Bupkiss. Can you just like tell me what it's about? And I'll be like, I can't really like because, you know, episode one has like Pete basically like joining a sex scene and like doing this American Pie style act. And like episode eight is like or episode even let's just start with like episode six. He's like coughing up blood, like lying in a hotel room, like in this dark you know, scene is just so such different tones that um, I, I think that like, I can't help but understand if, you know, critics of television watch the show, and then feel like the show is confused in what it was trying to get across. You know, again, I always try and be sympathetic to the writers and producers, because I know that they do have a point like they're these are not open ended questions they have, hey, this is what we were going for here. 
But at the same time, I also have to be fair to what you're seeing as a viewer. And I think a lot of our viewers who uh, of our podcast who are probably coming to this from an SNL lens who look for the funny may have been a little bit disappointed with the end of the show. Okay, any other comments overall before we start to get into episode seven and eight? All right, well, let's do it, because I think there were nuggets here of interesting things in both of these episodes. And episode seven is titled Borgnine, where we find out that, you know, it's it's a little bit, it reminded me of episode two, where we see that uh, this is right after September 11th, and that Amy is driving in the car with Pete and Casey, and we think that potentially they're going to the father's funeral. But in this case, uh, it, it was actually they were going to a wedding. And then here, we open up with Uncle Roy, who, let's all agree, Brad Garrett, Best part of the show, like, is that agreed across the board? Yeah, I'd say yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cannot say enough. Like, Emmy, he Emmy an- real. Yeah, I was gonna say something. He should win an Emmy for this. This was him and uh, Kieran Culkin. Yeah, yeah. I wish He's- Kieran Culkin was on this show. Oh my god, that's a good call. Yeah, season two. Yeah, or, yeah. Jeremy Strong, I could see him fitting right in. It just yeah, turns into yeah. Succession, season five. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> there are other shows where you can see both the people, but uh, <laughs> but Brad Garrett was so good on the show as Uncle Roy, and he is talking about what a fixture the person who died was. We're you know right in in a cemetery at a funeral, and Amy and Casey are crying, and then you really think that this is probably about Poppy at this point. And I was like, I don't know about you, Sammy, but I was like, well, they killed Poppy already. Like we're just at the beginning of episode seven. Yeah, that is definitely what they want you to think. And we kind of talked about in the last episode, is Joe Pesci going to be on the show long term? But yeah, they kind of pull the rug out from under us. And it's uh, his dog, Orgnine's uh, funeral. Yeah, you know, very, very intense funeral for a dog. Like it was a whole a whole production. I, I personally have never been to a dog funeral, but you know, to each, to each their own, you know. Yes, I, I have actually, and oh. uh, it's it's not it's loss. not that fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> not that fun. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there was elements here that were interesting, which is uh, you know talking about Borgnine's life and how he uh, always went on the wee wee pad. And how he used to bark at black people, but actually it's okay because it was just during the Cosby show. So maybe he knew something. Uh, and I thought that line was funny. And then I thought this was a great, uh, you know, like full circle moment to see that Donna, the hooker from episode one was also there attending the funeral. Now she's like together with, with uncle Roy. So, uh, you know, this is all happening. And of course Pete Davidson's not there, but he is going to show up by crashing his car into a tree and just being a complete, can I say lunatic here where he's just, you know, falling into the grave uh, and, you know, gets into a little bit of a situation with Poppy where he says, like, nothing's going to fix you. And it is right away, like, you think this is going to be a funny thing. Okay, Pete's going to crash his car against the tree. You got another car crash for Pete. And then, you know, here we go. Uh, it ends up being a continuation of what we saw in episode six, where he's coming back from Canada is not doing so great. So Amanda, what do you think about this whole uh, funeral scene we saw? So I think that maybe this underscores my issue. I feel like there was a total attitude shift towards Pete. I, I'm i not remembering exactly how episode um, six left off. I, I guess he, he gets back. Can you remind me? Yeah, so he me? comes back basically and he meets up with Evan, his friend slash assistant, who then gives him back his credit card or, or something like that. And then that's the whole thing where he encounters Sebastian Stan and then uh, there's that whole thing there. But um yeah, I mean, we don't we don't really hear much about like I I sort of in a way I know we're watching these in two episode chunks and you may watch episode six into seven, but given like the time jumps that have happened in previous episodes, 
I didn't realize that this was going to be a direct continuation of what we saw in six. Right. I guess I felt like confused that everybody's attitude was all of a sudden like, oh, Pete, you're unredeemable. You, you're you off the deep end. You can't get, get back. Like That seemed to kind of come out of nowhere to me where I felt like they were kind of championing him the whole time. And I understand that in Canada that kind of marked like his a kind of a relapse of sorts to him in you know, his mental state or his, his drug use. But for his, his, you know, his grandfather to turn around and just be like, never mind, you can't be fixed. I was kind of like, that just kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I feel like all season he was like, oh, Peter, this, Peter, that. Like, you, you'll be taken more seriously. You just need to, like, be more serious. And then all of a sudden he's like, pulls the court, like, you know, Pete crashes into the tree. And then he, they're just, like, all, like, so appalled. It felt undeserved based on what we'd seen so far. I kind of feel like they flipped the switch and expected us to just be there within. I was not caught up in that moment with with that kind of attitude switch towards me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Also, Sammy, I was gonna say like, for, uh, I'll pass it off to you, which was like, yeah, in the previous episodes, the tone was, you should feel sympathetic for the other characters because you know we're they have to deal with not having you know pete around all the time and the situation of celebrity and fame and all this stuff but then the tone shift now shift now in episode seven is like you have to feel sympathy for pete but not for everybody else because the way that they're treated like i just found like that there was a disconnect there that's an interesting way to kind of phrase it. and think of it necessarily that way right off the bat but yeah, I, I do say if you were binging the show, which we we were not, we you know very specifically you know did in two episode chunks. We could have done it you know three three two. We could have you know watched it in any certain way, but you know the fact that we took a break between six and seven um, maybe made it a little less jarring because kind of in real life time had passed. So to me, episode six is kind of a jumping off point to where clearly the isolation that Pete was dealing with around Christmas and, you know, dealing with that really, um, you know, difficult situation on the movie and, you know, thinking Brad Pitt's going to be there, whatever. And he kind of falls off the wagon. And that is following episode five, where him and Nikki kind of have that kiss. They share that kiss where, you know, she's kind of like, you know, I can't believe you're doing this again. Uh, you know, I, I need you to kind of be, you know, here and present if we're going to, you know, make, make this work. So to me, those two events have kind of led us, the audience, we're supposed to assume that the show is not really holding our hand here and saying that, you know, Pete is kind of, you know, falling off the wagon and he's, and he's doing drugs and he's, he's just not taking control of his life. And I, I do think it is like a very sharp turn. I, I definitely at first was kind of like, you know, I, I felt like the, the other characters were, you know, I guess not not being sympathetic, but again, you know, the episode opens with him, you know, crashing his car at, at the dog's funeral. So, you know, if that were to happen in real life, you'd be like, you're on drugs. What the hell is going on? Like, you need to get your your you know your your life together, sort of thing. So, I I, I don't know. I do think an issue with this show that I don't know if we've necessarily discussed is Amanda. I found it interesting that you said how you feel like you didn't learn a ton about Pete in the show. And I, and I do feel like, you know, if you didn't know who Pete Davidson was and you, you weren't following the tabloids or whatever, this would be a difficult show to kind of watch and follow because you kind of have this understanding that Pete's a big deal, he's a big celebrity. But, you know, I, I feel like a lot of our understanding of the characters and their motivations 
is based upon the fact that we know who Pete Davidson is. So if you're looking at the show in the vacuum, you know, it, it, it's kind of hard to see how certain characters and, you know, plot lines go from point A to point B. I, you know, that's something I'm kind of just in real time kind of grappling with and, and understanding. Is that kind of, Amanda, do you feel kind of what I'm saying? I don't think there's any plot without Pete. My, one of my bigger issues with the show is that nobody seems like they can talk about anything besides Pete. In any conversations you see other characters having, it's about, except for except for the one part um, where uh, Edie Falco uh, is playing basketball. That's like the, I, to me, one of my favorite parts. And it seemed like the only plot that actually had nothing to do with Pete besides the fact that, you know, she was like looking for some other way to fulfill herself besides, you know, being a helicopter parent or worrying about her son or being invested in, you know, her, her son's life that's so tumultuous and, and public. Like that to me was the only part of the show that wasn't just about everybody around Pete obsessing about Pete. Does that make sense? That So that's true. I don't think that there's anything driven without Pete. I just feel like maybe the show was playing into the dramatization of him. I don't feel like there was anything deeper than just what, how he presented uh, for, you know, for all those years. Um, uh, and we, on his update features and how he presents, like, I don't think we learned anything more. And I feel like, what he was trying to say was, you know, take me seriously. There's more to me. There's more to me without even attempting to show that. And I think the other problem here, if I may say, and then we'll get back to the recapping the episode, but the other problem is like, I don't know what's real or not, right? Because it's supposed to be like heightened levels of Pete's life. And we all know that like throughout his uh, SNL time, he did, you know, essentially go to rehab. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what was confirmed or not. And I know like it's been pu well published that Lauren Michaels like helped him out throughout his time there and that he's had certain issues. And like, in a way, like Pete's life is public, but it's not necessarily like our business as to like how many times he's gone to rehab or like what's happened exactly there. But like my understanding is like this is not something that's happened in the near like like recently. So, so not I you just, know otherwise, Matt. Yeah, I do. Just because he has this one really long form interview with um uh Charlemagne the God, I think that that a super long interview from a few years ago we where he will explains see in these episodes. Right. Where he's done a few, you know, he's like one of the people that he's down to do kind of one of these interviews with. It's from a couple of years ago, but it's after that that SNL, you know, and then the John Mulaney feature when he comes back after that whole, uh, you know, drama, where he talks about how he goes to rehab, and this is this is him, not me, but I just had this in the back of my mind. He goes to rehab to get sober because in uh, in order for him to get like properly diagnosed for his like medication for you know anxiety and depression he needs to be sober in order for his like medication to be adjusted so he said that he's gone a few times and it's in order to get sober so that he can get you know his meds right for but you know he has like borderline personality and um whatnot which you know he talks about and that's not me commenting on that at all i'm just that's what he had explained in that interview so that's what no, thank i had you. I, I didn't know all that in the back of my mind so i never thought of him as having you know a huge drug problem i thought of it more like being like you know he struggles with these mental health issues and rehab is just a piece of that care and so that kind of threw me yeah i i guess it's just like I know in the show, at one point, they mentioned that he has gone to rehab in the past. So he's going back again. 
And I guess what I don't know is like the timeline of all of this. Like, are we, there's so much of the show. I know some people are playing themselves. Some people are playing characters, but like in the, in the show, clearly he was on Saturday Night Live and he's not on it anymore. So it's like, it's supposed to be taking place in the present, but is he dealing with these issues in the present or are they using his past issues to tell present storylines? I think that is confusing to me. I think that it's that what he said is that he'll always be, it's like cyclical, you know, if you have like pervasive, you know, persistent mental health issues that it's always gonna, there's always gonna be ebbs and flows that like, it's gonna be something that he and many, many other people, you know, who are not as brave to talk about it and share it will struggle with for the rest of their life. So it's like kind of like a maintenance thing. And, and I think that's like a healthy way to look at it. Right. That's that. So I think, I mean, I'll just say it. Sorry, Sammy. I just, this is just what, this is one of my issues is that they really framed it as like, why bother? You've gone so many times. Like, why is this going to be different? And like, I was like, just put off by that because that attitude is just so contrary to everything that I know from experience and from just like, like he, so people need to go back. People relapse. It's not, you know, a failure. It's like a, you know, a setback. And, and that's how it goes. And for people sure. who really, really struggle with addiction, it's a lifelong thing. And going back isn't like, why bother? Because it's just going to happen again. It's like, it's maintenance. It's like going to the doctor. And if they would have framed it that way, I think I would have felt a lot better about that. So Sammy, what do you think? Well, I guess like the, even though I, I've kind of said, like, I, I feel like I found more things I liked in that, this episode than you guys, the, the thing I did certainly struggle with were the characterizations of specifically Amy and as well, Grandpa Joe, when dealing with Pete going to rehab, because even in the next episode, and I guess part of it could be the sort of, you know, stereo- stereotypical mom trope where like, you know, you, you want to, you know, you know, have you want to have Pete at his sister's graduation, but like while he's in rehab, like that, that like to me was like it was like a really strange thing. And I don't know, it's very possible that in his real life, this is something that has happened, you know. And I feel like when you have somebody, and again, I, I haven't really had someone that's in my life struggle with these issues, but I can imagine that, you know, when something is cyclical like that, at, at times, you know, you you maybe think, well, everything ends up working out or everything, you know, is, is, you know, because it's a cycle, you know, things end up being okay. So maybe it's normalized and maybe you're like, so I know he's in rehab again, but maybe I can take him out because this is a very special occasion. And she even says like that Cassie, a lot of the times by being Pete's sibling, you know, gets the short end of the stick. So I I, I think what it presents, I, I feel like maybe the show could have ironed a couple things out, but I, I do think it presents how, you know, not easy these situations are and how they are complicated and how you want the person in your life to get better, but you don't want, you know, the other person in your life to suffer, even though Cassie even says, like, I, I don't need you to go to this thing, go to my graduation, like, it's fine, like, I want you to get better. So you know, yeah. it's all very complicated. And I, I think from a a TV show perspective, maybe we are supposed to have complicated feelings about like what the characters are doing. So, and look, if the show wanted us to have these types of conversations, then they definitely succeeded in what they were going for because it is, you know, sort of like a lot of things are left unclear. And I think that it allows podcasting as a great medium to, to be able to handle these issues. So I think that is a, uh, a positive for sure. Uh, Cassie or Casey, right? It's Casey. I just want to make sure that 
Casey. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And, so and Cassie David. Yes. Yes. Exactly. That's that is a <laughs> that's Cassie. Ah, uh, no, yeah. no. Okay, cut this out. I never lied. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, Casey to me was the most interesting relationship that Pete had, I think, in these, uh, at least in episode seven, where Casey's going to actually, you know, say to Pete, like, I don't want you to drive your car. They, the car is okay. So, you know, Casey's going to take it, grabs the keys, or Pete forgot the keys in the gray hole. So he goes to go and pick them up. Uh, and then they go and they, they drive back home and they have this interesting conversation where Casey says, you know, um, Pete, I want you to care more about me and, and Poppy and mom and uh, you need to get help. It's destroying the family and really wants him to go to rehab. And he sort of like finally says, I'm going to go to rehab through this conversation he has with his sister. And I think that this these conversations, this relationship for me works so much better because it's not a tone shift from the previous episodes. It's really just a continuation of what we've seen. So I think that the actress and the characterization of Casey in these episodes was really, really strong. Amanda, that's probably one of the highlights for me. Yeah. I, I agree. And I, I think that actress was phenomenal. I feel like she was kind of out acting everyone around her. I was like, she's kind of dis- disoriented. Um, I thought their, their, their scene was cute, you know, uh, back when they get home um, and they have their, I, their dinner. I'll say it again. It's really funny. They really leaned into the Italian cast uh, for <laughs> <laughs> to depict a non-Italian family, uh, you know, Mange. Uh, so that was cute. I thought she was she was very good. But honestly, I was pissed off that like Pete didn't know what her job title was. I, that just doesn't line up with the Pete in my mind. Maybe this is just this is just what it is. It's just crashing down the fantasy that I had, but I feel like that's not what aligns in my head. Like that he would not know that she was a physician's assistant. Right. It's just Yeah. I will say uh, uh, I, I I don't know. I I found that line to kind of feel re- like somewhat real because I don't know about you guys, and I, maybe it's different with your sister and a sibling. But you know, over the last couple of years since I've been out of college, like all, all my friends, whenever you know my parents are like, "So what? What does you know so and so do?" I know what they do. I've heard it a million times, and I can't I can't think of their you know, exact job title or the company. So, you know, it, it could be different with a, a sibling, but I, I found that line to be somewhat relatable. Maybe that just means I'm a, a bad friend. But <laughs> I know what you mean in, in the sense, like I have so many friends that are like consultants, but what that means is like something totally different. But I feel like if you know your friend is like a doctor or a lawyer, like like a one word answer, you probably remember more. No? Well, he remembered she worked in the medical field, right? Like it wasn't like doctor or lawyer, right? So, you know, knowing if they're a doctor or a nurse, I feel like a nurse versus like a PA, like, you know, obviously way different amounts of school, but you know, I could maybe see someone like Pete, like not exactly know what's, and also he's like on drugs uh, in, in these episodes, <laughs> right. like he's about to go to rehab. So I feel like any sort of thing like that, you can kind of use that as a reason for why he's not entirely there. Yeah. Well, Amanda brought up fantasies. So let's talk about this fantasy that happens where, you know, Pete ends up going to a comedy club and sees Ray Romano, our second Ray appearance here. And they talk about what happened up in Canada, which was clearly a, you know, drug experience sequence that we got there. And, you know, he's like, man, you don't remember me? And it's like, Pete, I've been met, met you for the first time. And this was like a kind of a fun interaction. And it was like, yeah, you said, you know, go get yourself sucked. And, and yeah, like, and Ray's like, 
yeah, look, man, like, I really like you. I, I think you like need some help. And, um, you know, he ends up walking away and says, uh, Shalom. And then he turns around and says, you know, that's uh, sorry. I already turns around and says, you know, that's funny. Cause it also means hello and goodbye. It was just like, it was cute. And then all of a sudden turns out Ray Romano says, take care of yourself, pussy Thanos. And you know, that, that like callback to episode six where he's like, Oh, well, that way you were. And then just like disappears like Thanos would. So Sammy, what do you think of our second Ray Romano here? Uh, I was not expecting this and was very happy. I, I feel like on the last episode of this podcast, I went in on how much I love that appearance. Just the everybody loves Raymond cast on the show is getting a lot of love and getting a lot to do. Some of my favorite moments in the episode, I, I totally thought it was going to be sort of the, the, the obvious approach to this joke to where we clearly knew in the last episode that that was Pete's inner demons kind of talking to him. So when he appears again and he's in a familiar setting, like the he's at a comedy club. I wasn't exactly sure which comedy club he was at. The cellar. I the cellar. I've never been. Hope to go someday. Um, and you know, even as he's That's walking, a nice picture in, of Leslie Jones near Pete. <laughs> well, and and as he's walking in, I don't know if you caught the, the the part where he sees the picture from episode three, like on the wall, which I thought I, I thought that was a great callback. Um, but yeah, and then you know, lo and behold, it is. Uh, not the real Ray Romano. It, it is just like this fictional version of him. Uh, I found that to be just a, a very funny twist. And then we kind of, you know, you know, best, the best jokes are, you know, uh, in threes. So we, we eventually see him again uh, in the next episode. Yeah, definitely. Well, Pete's going to put together this apology dinner. So he's, you know, there and as Amanda said, just doing the full Italian thing, cooking uh, some pasta and sauce, which ultimately ends up turning into a stew. And, you know, he's singing Mambo Number no. 5, a, a different version with some lyrics about, you know, his grandpa and his mom and his sister don't like him. And, uh, you know, they're waiting for, they don't end up waiting for Amy and Poppy to come in. Pete ends up having this nice conversation with Casey where he asks Casey if she's having sex at all and they're just like you know they're finally bonding after the first time and you know Casey says you know I read everywhere about who you're having sex with and now you're like finally asking me about about my life and uh you know Pete said he's proud of her and you know finds out you know what her job is and all of that stuff and you know Poppy and, and Amy end up coming back and then uh, Pete has this long conversation with Poppy saying you know you don't need to keep apologizing if you don't mean it and uh Pete ends up saying I'm gonna go to rehab again because this time I have a lot more to lose and I don't want to lose um, the people in my life. Poppy ultimately tells him that he needs to get rid of his friends, all of his friends. And, you know, he has also has a conversation with Amy and says she only ever wanted the best for him and, you know, needs to take this seriously. And it all culminates in, you know, Poppy um, dancing with, with Pete a little bit, Pete dancing with Casey a little bit. And they all have this dance sequence in the living room, which is a nice moment in what is about to be uh, something dark ahead for Pete. So Amanda, how do you feel about this whole dinner slash dancing scene we got? You at, go to Sammy. I'm, I'm processing. All right. No problem. Sammy, what do you think of this? Uh, I mean, I found like the, the dancing scene to be like, you know, super endearing uh you, you know when uh pete kind of you know cuts in on his mom and, and grandpa joe dancing together uh, i found that all to be very cute and yeah i mean I, I think like my biggest takeaway from this episode was the kind of relationship between pete and his sister because i feel like in all the previous episodes we didn't really see that we always kind of saw casey's feelings 
or perspective on on Pete and being Pete's sister through her relation her relationship with Amy. So it was nice to kind of get that kind of direct correlation. Um, you know, obviously it's the second to last episode of the season, so it would have been nice to maybe see it a little earlier. But it could also be like an intentional choice to where there has been this distance that's kind of built up over time. Um, and then, you know, a, a line I wrote down here was, uh, uh, you know, I, I know you write prescriptions and you don't give me any. So it kind of goes into the sort of addict mentality that is, uh, you know, the theme throughout this whole episode. Let's talk about what happens next, which is Pete talking to John Mulaney, obviously a former SNL writer, five-time SNL host, and we've seen John Mulaney's journey for years and years on Saturday Night Live. So Pete ends up, uh, you know, we, and we've also heard about Pete's relationship with John Mulaney as well, but, you know, they end up going out for probably breakfast or something like that, and they're talking about, you know, Mulaney's experience going to rehab in the Berkshires, and, um, you know, Mulaney's been there and recommending which room to get, and he says, you know, I'm only here because Poppy told me to get rid of my friends, and Mulaney says, no, 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 not not people like me. You're, you're probably selling you to get rid of your crew, uh, which I thought that was kind of funny. Um, and they really have this like long conversation about, you know, their history together. And this was like a really real thing about, you know, Pete saying how he's upset that he didn't know what was going on with Mulaney. And Mulaney apologized for lying and about his drug problem and things that he was going through. But that everybody, you know, if you go back to season 44, episode 10 of Saturday Night Live, this would be the Rachel Brosnahan episode of the show. On update that night, we get a cameo from John Mulaney, who appears on update with Pete Davidson. And they're talking about how after that, everybody felt like they freaky Friday and they swapped souls and Mulaney ended up, you know, taking some stuff from Pete and ended up doing drugs and going off. And, uh, you know, this, there's a little bit of a fun conversation in what is a really interesting look into the friendship of John Mulaney and Pete Davidson, who have obviously gone through a lot together over the last, you know, five or six years. So Amanda, how did you feel about John Mulaney's appearance on Bupkiss and everything you saw there? I felt happy to see him. The first thing I thought of uh, in his special, he talks about how Pete was away uh, working when John Mulaney's friends staged their interventions. He was absent, but when John got to rehab, you know, Pete was calling him a bunch because he was seeing how he was, but also worried that people were going to assume that it was Pete's fault that that John was on drugs. And so, uh, but the the point was that. John had saved Pete in his phone as Al Pacino. So like whatever nurse that John was checking in with was like, why is Al Pacino calling you like 35 times? And like, here's him on the phone and be like, no, no one's going to think this is your fault. And she's like, why would it be Al Pacino's fault? So I thought of that and uh, I thought it was funny. Um, I liked this conversation. I love John Mulaney. So it's exciting to see him and his little long hair and his like, you know, new dad vibes. I feel like that's was kind of what we were getting from him. Uh, I found the conversation to be kind of telling us what the show should be showing us. Like John, John's line about being like, Oh, you know, we don't know what it's like to live your life, but man, do we love to watch it? I was just like, Oh, come on. Like, that's like the theme of the show. And I just feel like it's been beaten to death and I was like that's what we're having John Mulaney brilliant comedy comedic mind and writer saying like that's the purpose that he's serving is like to comment on how we love to watch Pete Davidson's life in the news like I was just like yeah mm -hmm. 
Sammy, were you higher on it? Uh yeah, I think I think it was a lot higher no on it. I, I really <laughs> that's good. Um I, I I just loved this scene. Um I loved how long the scene was. I love how it really felt like like, you know, obviously it's a cameo and we've talked how there's been so many great appearances on the show, but this you know, I'm not sure how how much of this conversation was bupkis, you know, how you know, fictionalized or not fictionalized it is, but I imagine some version of this conversation happened in real life between Mulaney and Pete. And I just found it to be really just like an interesting watch and kind of an interesting look at their dynamic and their relationship because it's kind of mentioned, I forget the exact line, but you know, Mulaney is so much older than Pete and he feels like this kind of responsibility towards him, but they also are dealing with very similar issues, but never really communicate about those issues and, and maybe because they don't want the other one to, I mean, they kind of touch and touch on the fact that Pete, you know, you know, uh, never got to do, you know, cocaine or, or anything with Mulaney. And it's, it's kind of sad to, you know, think that that is his perspective on the situation, but it also is kind of funny. Uh, and so I think there were a lot of different elements and, and layers to this conversation. I found, the freak, the freaky Friday joke. It, it's something that I never thought about. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't think people in the SNL community really ever talked about that. I, I feel like when they first, we were not podcasting that, by the way. So there's we, no, like, we, uh, I, we, we were not, we were certainly not, but I, um, I found that to be just like a really interesting take on it that they freaky Friday. I, I do remember when they come on weekend update and they talk about the mule, how random it felt that, they were together because they didn't really overlap together on SNL, obviously both big, you know, people in the comedy community, but I found all the freaky Friday stuff to be really funny. You know, I, I don't think I was laughing out loud a ton during the scene, but I, between, I, I found like there was a, a solid balance between the real life stakes of the struggles that these two people have kind of dealt with in the public eye over the last couple of years and you know how because they're both comedians they can kind of poke fun at it and if you have dealt with that in real life and had issues with it maybe you know it's it's kind of hard to make jokes about it i i don't have that you know exact experience or anything like that but i, I found the scene to be a interesting look at their relationship and obviously we recently heard on the Mulaney special a little bit about this too. So the fact that they're coming out so close together, uh, I just, I really enjoy that. And I, I really think it is one of the highlights of the show for me. So glad to hear that. Yeah. And obviously we all love Mulaney as well. And, and if this, you know, whatever elements of this were legit, um, I am happy that they were able to, to expose that to a lot of people who are watching the show, because I'm sure there are people who are watching this, who are dealing with addiction and then don't have the resources that a Mulaney or a Pete Davidson do to deal with them. And then to see uh, people who have those resources deal with them in certain aspects could potentially be inspiring to actually uh, be able to help you. So I think that that is part of like a, a healing process from what I understand and what I've heard from, you know, Mulaney and people like that talk about is like being able to like share those experiences is another step to getting better. So I think that they the fact that they have a scene is, is a good thing. Um, 
And then next up, you know, we have uh, Pete's conversation with Nikki. They end up going dancing together as Poppy wanted. And uh, they're talking while they're dancing about, you know, this why he's going to rehab and he's going for himself this time. Last time he went for other people, but now he's going for himself. Um, and they end up, you know, going home. And, and I thought this was really like, they were so cute together and they're, they're sitting in the car in the pouring rain. And this is like what you get, you know, this, you see in all the movies, uh, it's like this romantic moment and he kisses her, but it, this time it's on the forehead and, uh, they have jokes about how, you know, you know, all the times that they will, they won't they. And this is the time that she actually like wanted to have sex with him, but he's holding himself back because he doesn't feel like it's the right time. So, uh, I did enjoy this scene, especially. So Amanda, how did you feel about it? I really, I really like this scene. Um, I really like her. I'm really enjoying her performance. My only regrets are that she doesn't have more to do, like that she hasn't had a bigger role and a little bit more character development. Like I found myself wondering, like, what does she do for a living? Like, where does she live? Like, where, how are they just like picking each other up? Like what borough? Is she in Staten Island? Like, and you know, like we, do we have any sense of like what her identity is outside of the fact that she's dated Pete on and off? No, on the show, definitely not. Cause like off the show, obviously they are real in dating in no, real right. life. Oh, no, I know she's a real person in real I'm life. I'm not telling you, I'm, yeah. I'm telling, uh, I'm telling oh. the listeners. Yeah. I'm telling the listeners. So like, just to be right. cl- clarify, like the, they do date in real life. So obviously she's an actress in real life, but on the show, Nikki, we don't have any information besides the fact that maybe she doesn't seem to uh, have led as quote unquote privileged of a life at this point. So I, I think that was probably mentioned at some point, but besides that, yeah, no, there, there's definitely like her whole storyline is, you know, Pete's sort of on again off again girlfriend right who's like wise and you know really cool and seems like a lot of fun um and i feel like that's how chase sue wonders is in my mind also and i think she's a phenomenal actress and like brought a lot of depth um and a lot of color uh to the show i just would have liked to have seen more from her but maybe season two yeah so Pete ends up coming back home and uh, Evan is there, packed his rehab bag. You know, Evan, there's still jokes about Evan and his girlfriend, and he might propose. And this they're very like weird relationship between Pete and Evan about how Evan, he says he's not going to be at the wedding. And then uh, Krills finally comes over. He says the party's over. They're drinking some whiskey and smoking and says like, you know, I can't be hanging out with you anymore. And then I don't know if you guys caught this, but Sammy, did you catch this, catch this mid credit ending scene? Did you catch that? I- Totally did not see this. Um, okay. Damn. So, so there is like a Marvel-esque mid-credits ending where it's like they do some of the credits in episode seven. And then before the show ends, it comes back and Evan takes a gun and shoots Krills. And like, then you just like shoots him. What? And then you, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You have to go back and check this out. And then you hear them like laughing, like as if like they went past like the take of like this being on the show. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, like do it again or whatever. But like, I just like I was like fast forwarding and I was like, wait, wait, wait there's something here. So, uh, what? Anyway. wow. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because like, I mean, I believe you, but that'd be, it'd be a really funny thing to like, just like kind of prank us that like the scene existed. Um, but obviously, you know, in an earlier episode, I guess it wasn't a mid credit scene, but we did have that scene with Dave that was a little, you know, unexpected, but I guess I'll have to go check that out after this. Can I also just say, like, again, like, uh, not not sucking up to our friend, but I just, uh, I miss Dave Cyrus in these episodes, both his writing and him appearing on the show, because I think, like, he wrote some really brilliant stuff for the show. I'm so much more impressed with him as a writer, like, now getting to know him and getting to see what he's done in the show. Uh, I think he has, like, the chops to be, uh, to really write for any sitcom, and I, I think he's very, very solid on the show as well. So I hope that if there is a season two of this, we get more Dave in it. Agree. 
Yeah. Yeah. So let's head over to episode eight called Show Me the Way. And we open up on a, it's really a black and white for this entire sequence, which is a very different tone, obviously, than we talked about. Um, I guess the head of the rehab center is saying, uh, wake up, gentlemen. It's very like, uh, they're at Forest Point Rehab. It's very like uh, Good Morning Vietnam-esque, where, uh, you know, they're they're there and all these people um who are working at the medicine area for it, I hope I'm using the terminology correctly, but in the medicine area for the rehab center, they're doing weird stuff. Like they're giving drugs to people that maybe they shouldn't. And it's basically from Pete's perspective, we get to see that like there's some shady stuff going on there. And ultimately we head to group therapy and we get to meet different characters that are in group therapy with Pete. First up is Donnie. He's there because of the giants. Then we get Joey, who is there because uh, he hurt and lied in order to get more cocaine. And then it sort of gets to a point where like, we don't know what's real and we don't know what's not real. Because first there's like Cameron who's there because he needs time off from his schedule. We get uh, Jada Kiss, who is famous, like, ha ha, <laughs> does his thing. Uh, all yeah. of a sudden, <laughs> we get uh, Ole Miss quarterback, uh, Eli Manning, uh, New York Giants quarterback. Love love that guy. So um, he's uh, brought me two Super Bowls. Um, but yeah, he's there as well. as like, was Eli Manning actually there? And then Art the Clown at one point, which is like a, a real thing. Um, and he was pointing and laughing at Pete, what did you think about all the characters that started at first here, Sammy? You forgot Ricky Valdez. That oh, was, I'm sorry. Yeah, he yeah. was he was uh, uh, one of the guys working the the medicine counter. Okay. Well, also, I I read this on Reddit, so I'm not sure if this is true, but I believe it because of an appearance he had made on SNL. But apparently, Big Wet was the guy um, who had like uh, boobs, like like these, like the like the one the one. Uh, orderly it was like you know i can give you uh meds i'll give you titties and like a guy's like walking in the background apparently that was big wet i don't i don't know i can't no, no, exactly that must remember. be it must be yeah. because i remember hearing that big wet was going to be in the show and i was yeah, like that's so. so classic um you know obviously we covered the, the adventures of big wet yeah he made an appearance in the squid game sketch and a couple other things on snl but yeah these the cameos st- the step walking in staten <laughs> yeah ex- yeah exactly these cameos uh, you know, very random, you know, uh, if we kind of have a, a bupkis bingo card, we're like, okay, how we only have one episode left. I was Jada kiss going to be in the show. How's Eli? I don't think, I don't know if we knew about Eli Manning. I think we knew about Jada kiss and, and Cameron art. The clown is a, is a clown from this series of horror movies called terrorizer. And there was a new terrorizer movie that came out like a couple months ago that was like a big deal i've never seen them but um i guess pete must be a fan of those movies or somebody in the production must be a fan of those movies because that's um the clown yeah i i wasn't exactly sure what we were supposed to take away from these appearances obviously earlier on in the show with the ray romano appearance i feel like a lot of the sort of surreal aspects of the show have to do with Pete's drug use, you know, especially in episode six and episode seven. So, um, you know, when he's in rehab, maybe he's kind of just, you know, getting a little cabin fever, um, you know, being, um, you know, in the facility and everything like that. But um, I, I, found, I found that to be uh, interesting. Uh, you know, didn't think they were hilarious or anything, but, you know, good to see everybody. Yeah. Then we get Machine Gun Kelly, which we knew he was going to be in the show, or Coulson. Um, you know, he comes there, and 
Uh, Pete says, are you real? I didn't know if you're real or not. And MGK says, uh, yeah, yeah, your mom just told me you were here. I didn't know where you were. So he, I didn't realize that this was a rehab center and they're sitting and they're talking. And um, obviously we've you know seen them together many, many times, including at SNL. Uh, Paul Walter Hauser is there. I know, Sammy, you were excited about that cameo as well. He's been there five times. Yeah. So it's really the three of them are the big celebrities that are there. And th those are the three that we know that everyone else can see are also there. So they're not like a part of Pete's dream sweepings. Yeah, and I will just to add on to the Machine Gun Kelly cameo, I did write down in my notes, why would Amy give him the address? This kind of goes back to our, our previous conversation about uh, the people, especially his mom and his grandpa, people in his life and their relationship with Pete going to rehab. Like It, it didn't make a ton of sense to me that she would... Um, let i mean i guess she could let him know that he's in rehab but to be like here here's the address like go ahead and i haven't mentioned he's in rehab like i found that to be a little out of character and then they want to shout out paul walter hauser who originally you know he's not a huge name so i was surprised to see that he was playing himself um and he was great throughout this whole episode yeah um so pete there's this interesting relationship between pete and um you know, the main guy who's sort of running the rehab facility. I believe I had his name as a Michael and he's played by a guy named John Pollan. Um, I didn't, I, he looks so familiar, but I, I don't think I know him from anything or he wasn't necessarily a big star, but he was pretty good in his role here. Um, but he has this relationship with everybody. He seems to be like the one who's making sure that everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing, asking the different patients if they're cheekers or not, like if they're keeping the pills in their cheeks. Um, and then also this moment where we get Pete who goes to the little church that must be at the rehab center and the priest is played by Charlemagne the God. So uh, we overhear that Pete starts talking about his problems and he says, uh, well, there was this guy named Crispy. And Amanda at that moment, it like sort of all clicked together, which was like, was Pete set back by what happened in episode four in addition to the stuff that happened with poppy and and his life like and everything like that like and what happened in canada like is it go is the the thing that really kicked off the relapse repeat the fact that crispy killed one of the paparazzi like is that what we're trying to get from this and and not the, and not the fact that he was fired from something for doing whippets at the white house which is the reason that he had to go to florida i, I maybe perhaps perhaps i feel like we kind of glossed over the whole killing blowing up the the paparazzo paparazzo is that right i think i've heard people say that okay go for we, it. <laughs> i'm gonna go with it they uh, i i honestly forget about that like that's kind of like a suspend your disbelief moment like when i think about like the timeline of the show i don't think like oh yeah in an episode four they killed somebody because he was you know trying to take pete's photo it's possible I did not make that connection, but that's very astute of you. Yeah. I only said that because that's what I like, heard him whispering as like we were leaving the scene of him in the church. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, then we sort of see everything from Pete's perspective. He's flashing back to different moments in his life. Um, including when he had like a cut on his neck when he was a young kid. I think he was going to a hospital at some point. Um, his mom was dropping him off there. Uh, memories of him, you know, on, you know, being picked up by his dad and, and stuff and hanging out in the house. So like, obviously, he's going through and his entire life and thinking about all that. And all of a sudden, he gets a knock at his door for his room. MGK is there with a surprise. They got the keys for the medicine cabinet. They go out, they do a bunch, bunch of drugs with uh, Paul Walter Hauser. Um, he keeps putting out stuff on his beard, which is, which is very weird. Um, and they're singing Show Me the Way. 
And Michael, the head of the rehab facility, is in bed, sort of hears what's happening and ends up breaking into the room with a baseball bat and breaks the table. Ultimately, MGK is going to take the blame here, uh, says he drugged them to take the drugs. And uh, that's what happened. And MGK says, I'm going to go off to L.A. Pete, we're going to put this incident behind you. And uh, Paul, will, <laughs> you can stay here as well. So, Sammy, thoughts on this whole sequence here with Pete taking the drugs in rehab? I'd say from a, a, a if we're, we're trying to find the funny in this episode, this is where I found it the most. Um, the orderlies, I didn't know who two of them, who the actors were that played two of the three order, orderlies, but one of them was Jordan Rock, who I believe is Chris Rock's brother, I think. Um, I, he, he's been in uh, Love, the Netflix show, and he opened for Pete when I saw him in 2019, so it was good to see him. Uh, and yeah, I just, I found... Um, the the kind of back and forth with those guys chiming in um while while the um um the main kind of orderly guy at the rehab was kind of um you know trying to figure out what's going on and kind of you know trying to get trying to hold some people responsible for them taking drugs at the rehab um i found there to be some um good energy in the scene and and some funny moments from a not so funny situation, which is basically Pete relapsing with all these guys. So I, they, I, I felt like, um, in an episode where I, I certainly liked episode seven, um, more than episode eight, I found, you know, I, I think there, there was, there's probably intention behind the fact of, you know, Pete's being put in this rehab facility and things are kind of, you know, going a little slow and things are maybe a little, um, um, uh, what, what am I trying to say? Uh, he's kind of going through the motions and clearly he's been here before, but I, I found this scene to be, um, you know, to have a lot of energy and, and have some good, good jokes throughout. Yeah, so the next day, Pete tells uh, Michael that he's been embarrassed and ashamed and he's confused why nothing works out for him. Ends up telling him that he should go into the woods and they end up going to the woods together and says, you know, scream, scream like a man. And Pete is screaming. And I believe that we saw this in the preview for the show a little bit. So I thought it was weird that they took something from episode eight and uh, the end of the show and put it in this season long preview that we got. But um, all of a sudden Pete screams and he thinks that he's cured and he snaps his fingers and everything goes from black and white back to color. He knows what's matter, what matters. I think uh, actually Michael's like slaps him at one point and then it goes right back to color. Anyways, he's fixed. He's cured. And he's like, no, 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 Pete, you've only been here for a few days. Um, so Pete runs off. Meanwhile, there's this other storyline that is happening, which is Amy really wants Pete to be at Casey's graduation. So, um, we get to see from Amy's perspective, she goes to pick up Poppy, takes him to his treatment. He's still going through cancer treatment. Um, and then there's this nice moment between Poppy and Amy here where Poppy tells Amy that, uh, you know, I wasn't the greatest father in the world. But, uh, you know, Amy says the reason that I care so much about my kid is because, you know, uh, I have the strong father and I'm going to be I'm the strongest woman that, you know, and I thought there was this like nice moment between them there. Um, ultimately, Poppy says, you know, you should make yourself happy and enjoy your life. And Amy tells Poppy that she's been playing basketball, which I think was a nice culmination of that story. So Amanda, what do you think about uh, Amy and Poppy side of this things? I mean, it was cute. I liked, I really liked their scene and you know, that it wasn't strictly about Pete. I liked that they um, were, you know, kind of talking uh, about um, 
how, you know, it's like his old Italian trope, like, oh, I'm going to die. Like, you're not going to watch. Like, I have to, like, go out in dignity. You can't take care of me. I'm not going to be taken care of. Like, I thought that was cute and, uh, like, a nice bit. Um, I was very stressed out about the things happening both at once, like, like when Pete snaps back in and he's like, I don't know if you just said this, but going through his voicemails and like that's happening at the same time um, was kind of stressing me out. Um, and I, I don't know if it the song started playing during that scene, but Mr. Solo Dolo, Kid Cudi is like one of my favorite songs of all times. So like that was a peak. Great meal drop. For me. Yeah, literally. I mean, I know that Pete's obsessed with Kid Cudi, so like it made sense, but like just Mr. Solo Dolo is just all the feels immediately. Maybe a cheap trick to make me feel things that I wasn't otherwise feeling by the show and the acting, but put that song on and I will be sentimental. Yeah. Well, you know, he's trying to get to Casey's graduation because he turns on his phone, he sees all the voicemails, realizes that it's that day. So he starts going off. Uh, at one point, I think he stops for gas and then he encounters Ray Romano for the third time here. And he's like, no, 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 no. F you, Ray Romano. I don't know. What are you doing here? And then Ray's like, oh, I'm just up here fishing. And he's like, fishing for what? Poon. <laughs> that was the, that was by far my biggest laugh of episode eight. That was like the only thing <laughs> that I was like, oh my God, that was so funny compared to everything else. Sammy, did you like that? The third uh, part of the trilogy of Ray Romano? Yeah, no, we got the, the payoff that we were um, expecting in episode seven and, and didn't get. And then, uh, I'm glad they kind of made made us wait for it. Um, really, really funny that you have Ray Romano and Brad Garrett in the series. They never um, came into contact. Bo- both appear in multiple episodes. Like it's not like you know Brad Garrett's in it a bunch, and Ray Romano's only in one episode. Ray Romano is in three consecutive episodes of the show. And they never meet. Um, so maybe season two, Uncle Roy will meet Ray Romano, and Ray will be like, "You look very familiar." That would be fantastic. Well, as Amanda said, I mean, he's trying to get home as quickly as possible. He's driving. We don't know what, you know, effects he still has of the drugs that he's still on. And obviously Pete's not uh, in the best condition and clearly cannot drive from all the things that we've seen uh, in real <laughs> in real life and on the show. And, uh, uh, you know, turns on his phone and tries to make it there, but he ends up uh, crashing his car. Uh, he almost gets into an accident uh, or it really does. And then the car flips and um, it's a very uh, like rough scene to watch where we get to see pete wake up he's like covered in blood and he starts crying as like blood is like flying out of his mouth and then the show just like ends there so um i i didn't like i didn't know what i was going to expect the show to end on but it wasn't that that's what i could tell you like i watched i watched every episode dissected it with all of you was not expecting that because i like stopped it and i was like oh f <laughs> like my cat can, can i was chime rough. in a little bit on this this ending sure. um i you know was not expecting it to end like this i thought there'd be a little bit more of a conclusive thing or maybe something setting up a potential season two um a, a little more but i i, I kind of found that last image of he's crying bleeding and kind of laughing to himself all at the I same time at the end was he yeah, laughing I, I think he was laughing and maybe it is supposed to be a little ambiguous but um i think he was i think he was like kind of like laughing to himself again like, like to himself at the end of the episode where it's like oh my god like this this like this is my life like this is kind of i i feel like he 
has talked about how he kind of deals with, you know, a lot, a lot of pain in his life and how kind of what Amanda was saying about how, you know, these things can be cyclical. I think this is another example of that to where he goes to rehab, he's making all the right steps. He is given like a, a momentary sort of feeling of is relief. He doing the right steps he's like doing drugs well, no. in rehab and then escaping rehab i'm saying he, going 90 miles an hour but i think in his mind going to rehab initially is the right step and is almost maybe like enough of a step so, and you know it's kind of like you know one step forward two steps back for him and he is kind of looking for a win and kind of looking for an excuse to kind of move on past this point and you know keep keep doing what he's doing basically and at the end when the color is literally slapped back into his life when the episode goes from black and white to color that's kind of the moment where he even the the guy working at the rehab is like no like we're just starting you're we're just getting started and he is kind of the way that his life is so every everything is so fast everything when you're in front of the spotlight like that everything your life is moving at a different pace you have to kind of grow up super fast joining SNL when he's like 20, 21 years old, something like that. Um, so I, I kind of found that last image to be, you know, kind of powerful. Like, I, I don't know exactly if that's like, if I'm trying to, you know, grasp at straws um, for the show, but I, I do think it is pretty intentional that he's trying to do, he's trying to, you know, do the right thing and, and, and make these steps, but he is kind of falling along the way and, and making mistakes. I was confused i mean i have i'm i haven't talked about it on the show before but you both obviously know that my boyfriend was killed in a car accident back in october so i am aware of the fact that that might be coloring my uh feelings about this scene that i mean there was yeah pete's definitely should not be driving that was one of my takeaways uh from the show uh also he has a driver but um uh I thought that the point was that, you know, the song comes on, the color snaps in, you're seeing Casey's graduation and that you expect like naturally that the resolution is that he's going to get there, you know, at the end or like just in time or like, you know, he's speeding there and he gets there at the end and they have this reunion. And that was like, kind of like to shock you. And I did think it did that. And it was like kind of one of the first parts of the show that I didn't, See, I know that we've said everything is different. We never know what we're going to get. I think a lot of the tropes at the same time are a little bit predictable. This was unpredictable to me. That being said, I don't know if that means it necessarily added value and wasn't just kind of like more torture porn for the shock of, for the sake of shocking us. I'm not yeah. sure. I mean, there was nothing pornographic about this to me. I mean, you 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 are right. I went I went and I just while you guys were talking, I went and rewatched uh, that last scene just to see. He is definitely laughing at the end, and he says like "fuck." Um, and like there, so there is like a moment there of probably levity in the whole situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I again, like I just if there, I'll go back to what I said initially, which is like if the show is trying to teach us something or trying to tell us something about Pete's life. I, I worry about doing that through the vehicle of creating a show that is so wildly different in tone from episode to episode. Like I would have no issue with anything we saw if this is what I knew I was getting. But I guess like 
the producers of the show feel that the tone, the, the large difference in tone of the show is reminiscent of Pete's life, which is like wildly fun and also like really sad at the same time. And I, I know that they're trying to translate that to a, a vehicle, not a driving vehicle, but a, a vehicle for television. Um, I don't know if that always works, like in an actual medium of trying to tell a story this way. And I think that's the problem that I'm probably having with this. I, I was going to say, I, I think if we're maybe transitioning over to maybe overall thoughts yes, that's great. On, the, on the show, um, I, I think for a season one, um, I, I felt like a, a lot of episodes, I, I, I felt like in every episode I was able to kind of take away with something um, to where like, I, I'm, I'm glad I watched this. Um, I, I think... A, there, there were certainly episodes that the the entire package wasn't tonally consistent, and I I do wonder if in, in a season two they can kind of work those things out. But I I definitely took away with um, from a, a lot of scenes and kind of sequences that um, I'm I'm really glad we were able to see and kind of get a. a I, I, I am still kind of struggling with Amanda. You said like you don't know if you necessarily learned more about Pete um, through watching the show. I, I am still kind of grappling with: Did I learn more about Pete, or am I letting my prior knowledge of Pete kind of influence how I interpret some of these scenes? So, and and some of these moments in the show. So, um, I, I I am still kind of grappling with my overall thoughts, um, but I, I found that Pete. And Edie Falco and, and Joe Pesci were all fantastic. Um, I do think some of their characterizations towards the back half of the show were a little weird and inconsistent, but I, I was just happy that they were a presence throughout every episode. We got a lot of fun cameos. I, I found the John Mulaney scene in episode seven to be really, really great. Uh, John Stewart was another example of somebody who came in and did a really good job. And I, I do think that season two has potential to be like really, really good. And I, I think season one kind of set the stage for a really good show, a really great show. Um, and I kind of look, look forward to see if, if they are able to get the chance to do that, kind of what they do. And if it kind of leans more towards the tone that we saw in these kind of last couple episodes or, you know, if his life is cyclical if things kind of, you know, go up, um, from here. So, but, uh, overall I enjoyed it and I'm glad, uh, we got to talk about it. Amanda, let's get your final thoughts as well. Oh gosh. It's going to take me a while, uh, to process. It's been a very compact week, uh, and a lot of dips and turns, uh, amongst these episodes, but I really enjoyed watching. And I also really enjoyed talking to you guys about it and thinking about it. Um, I had, to stop myself, obviously, from texting you guys in real time, my thoughts and John's most days yelling at me and telling me to wait till we get on the podcast uh, to share my thoughts. So it's fun to ha watch a show that's thought provoking, and it's fun to watch a show um, with friends. So I really enjoyed that, and there's a lot to talk about. Um, I'm very curious to see what they could do with a season two. I would love a season two. I would like some more depth, like pick one you know topic for an episode and just like dive into it more 
and and kind of develop it. Like I feel like a lot of my issues with the show is that they expect you to like just get where they are and a lot of it felt kind of undeserved. So like slow down, take the time to like develop things. Like I don't need to see Pete doing crazy things every episode if that's like it's just the the substance I feel like doesn't need to be lacking so much if you know they get to do a season two and get to kind of dive in and not to bring up curb again but like we've seen shows be really successful really just like playing with the mundane like you you know larry david will have an entire episode about him like tailgating somebody and it coming full circle like and just it's like about the writing and they have such an um you know we're saying we love what we got to see from dave we love what we got to see from these writers like really let the writers like shine like don't you know, rely so much on like action and, and cameos. I mean, the cameos are obviously unbelievable, but it's possible that jamming so many cameos into, you know, an eight episode, 25 minute show took some time away that we could have had for some character development. Like, tell me what Nikki does for a living. If we're going to have season two, I need to know what she does for a living and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. Well, I've really loved talking to the two of you, especially about this show, because I think that this is not a type, this is not a show that you want to watch alone because there's so much to talk about here. So I'm really glad that we got to cover it. Like I said, I mean, despite my feelings over maybe the direction it ended with, I think that there were a lot of really uh, big highs along the way. <laughs> And lots of fun that we had. Uh, so I look forward to some of the craziness of Pete's life um, in a good way being shown if they do a season two. So I hope that we, uh, I hope that we get one. I think they would definitely be deserved, and I think that they will probably have learned a lot from some of the critical feedback on season one and continue to improve as they go. And I could only imagine the type of cameos they would get for season two now, knowing that people have seen the show and they may want to be in it, as opposed to Pete just calling people to come and do him some favors. So. Um, uh, if you enjoyed our coverage of Bubkiss, let us know. Like I said, it's the first time we've done bonus coverage here on the Saturday Night Network since we covered Ted Lasso and Brooklyn Nine-Nine in the summer of 2021. And back then, it was a lot of fun to do, but you know, the audience that we had was a little bit smaller, and I wasn't able to really gauge if people enjoyed us doing stuff like this. So if you like us doing this, let us know. We obviously have a long summer between now and season 49, and we will do plenty of SNL stuff. But if there's something fun that you think we should take a look at, um, definitely tell us on social media or in the comments and we can uh you know get a crew together to watch something and do that whether it's here or on our patron feed at patreon.com slash the snl network you can find that as well all right let's talk about what's coming up here in the immediate future so bubkiss is in the rear view mirror of a of a well put together car no crash car here at the network and we're going to talk all about saturday Night live so i've really been holding off in a way discussing the end of the season just because just the small chance that everything worked out and we ended up having a last episode i didn't want to have to do our finale end of season wrap-up coverage and then be like whoops uh one more episode to do so now that we know we're you know right now midweek through what would have been the kieran culkin week coming up it's fair to assume that we're not going to get those Kieran Culkin episodes or Jennifer Coolidge episode. So uh, we can 
put the books on season 48 18 episodes was a lot of fun to get to cover probably the most fun i've had talking about snl since the entire time i've been podcasting and on monday night i'll be back with a great panel to wrap up the entire season we're going to talk about our favorite cold opens monologues live sketches pre-tapes episodes hosts you name it everything from the season storylines what we'll look forward to in season 49 the following week we will have mike murray with us the great mike murray to go through all of the stats if you saw on twitter last night he posted this crazy picture of all the screen time from the season and he's mapping out the metrics to figure out how each cast member did this season if you've ever been interested in stats at all this is the show to check out because you're going to walk away knowing how each cast member season was we're going to go through all of them on that show so that'll be in two weeks and then if you're a patron the form to sign up for a patron feedback show to wrap up the season will be available to you coming up soon on patreon and in a couple of weeks we'll have our call-in show where we will answer questions from the community about the season and about season 49 and then a ton of summer stuff after that that we'll announce on the podcast so so much to look forward to here at the network sammy k what a journey thanks for joining us anything you would like to plug to the listeners we did it we we got through eight episodes of bupkis it was a lot of fun um to talk about all these episodes with you guys as well as the other guests we had on the show you guys can find me at that sammy k on instagram twitter and tiktok as well as on a lot of different podcasts here on the Saturday Night Network. Uh, specifically, the Superfan Takeovers um, are a lot of fun. And like I've kind of said over these last couple episodes, with uh, you know no new episodes of SNL uh, in the near future, unfortunately, and as well as just the writer's strike in general, uh, you are going to see uh, you know things in Hollywood content-wise begin to slow down. So definitely, if you haven't checked out um, all of our episodes of the Superfan Takeover, uh, Definitely do so. I know that me and John have talked about um, for our next episode. We have a really fun topic, uh, and we're excited to share that with you guys at a future date. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, um, and you know, thanks for having me. Yeah, we will. I'll just tease for the listeners. We will be doing another draft coming up over the summer. So every year we do a draft um, at the summer, at the Chris, at Christmas time, and at the start of the season. So we will have our summer draft coming up. Look for that around Fourth of July weekend, where we'll get the whole super fan crew together to draft something very fun. Amanda, so great to get to talk to you so much on the show. What can the listeners check out from you? Nothing. And um, before before next year, I will come up with a better uh, way to plug something at the end of episodes. But I do want to say, because we watch this on streaming, streaming is the way of the world. The writers are not being compensated accordingly. The, you know, these contracts have not shifted to, you know, a structure that allows them to be fairly compensated. These studios are making out like bandits, um, you know, we want to see our shows come back. We want to see our writers get paid. Uh, it's, you know, all aligned in everyone's best interest to support them. Uh, you know, the more manpower I've just today was just looking into just different things that like as a viewer that we can do. And I didn't come up with anything I wish I had in advance, but I will update everyone, but uh, things you can do to make an impact and, you know, not just like reposting on Instagram, a story supporting, but actually there are ways that we can use our dollar, um, you know, as speech. So. Let's do that. Definitely. Totally second that. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, please do so on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. It really helps people find the show. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and uh, that is always very much appreciated. It helps boost us in the algorithm so people can find our shows. You can also follow us at the network, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at the SNL Network. Find me at John Schneider 24 to talk about Bubkiss, SNL, anything else we're doing this 
summer. All right, for Sammy K, Amanda Barkin, and everybody who joined us in the live chat tonight, I appreciate all of you. My name is John Schneider from the Saturday Night Network. We will see you next time, everybody. Have a good one.